How you doing? You're muted. Hang on. You're muted. I shouldn't be muted. Can't hear you. It could be me. Hold on. You know what? It's you. This is the one instance where it's me. Uh, can you hear me? You can hear me, right? Yes, I just can't hear you because I don't have my headphones plugged in. <coughs> That's funny. Now I can hear you. I love it when I do something right technologically and you do something wrong because it's such a rarity. Okay. I mean, it never happens. This is The Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody. Pardon it. Here's your host, Greg Cody. Ladies and gentlemen, my voice. I got to get a new uh, ear, nose, and throat doctor because (laughs) my guy is just not doing anything good for me right now. It's just terrible. Hey, uh, (laughs) Hey, people, everybody, my podcast family. Greg Cody woke up this morning feeling really, really good about himself. Regardless of how he sounds, he felt great this morning. I did, man, because I woke up feeling for the first time in my life that I'm potentially a better golfer than Tiger Woods. Now, (laughs) not in general, but on one hole, because I don't think I've ever shot a 10. I really don't. I mean, mean, there's been some par fives. I get your point. You never shoot 10s. I mean, it's just... If if I'm on the way to a ten, I'm a I'm a cheat, you know. Let alone something. Let alone on a par three. Tiger Woods did this on a par three. It was crazy. It was like uh, watching uh, John Daly doing trick shots or something. Tiger, um, I think I have this right. He went three times into the water, took two shots to get out of a bunker, which is totally Greg Cody. I mean, going sand trap to sand trap is is I I I should get royalties. Anytime anybody goes bunker to bunker uh, off the green, but it was just amazing to watch because, you know, we should be praising Dustin Johnson, I guess, for winning the Masters. But what happened to Tiger on the, the 12th hole was just fascinating and heartbreaking at the same time. Golf is one of those sports where the casual fan can picture themselves at random times. Like it doesn't happen a lot watching Patrick Mahomes play or watching Mike Trout. But when Tiger Woods shoots a 10 on a par three, you're like, did Tiger just have a Greg Cody moment right there? Like I've done exactly what he just did. I've been uh, wrestling with the idea of why I continue to uh, root for Tiger so rapidly. And um, I think I've figured it out. And it's that, you know, I'm, chronologically sort of toward the end of of my career. And I find myself drawn to older athletes who were at the end of their career. It's just weird. Uh, Maybe it's the sentimentalist in me, but I root for Tiger Woods. I root for Serena Williams. Uh, I root for Tom Brady and Drew Brees to keep convincing the doubters. You know, I just do. I just think it's, and, and LeBron James is almost getting to that category where it's just fascinating to see him continue and continue to elongate what his prime is because chronologically uh, he should be on the downside by now, but isn't. Uh, do you have any of that in you? You're a, a young guy. Can you relate to what I'm talking about? I feel like everybody roots for Tiger Woods at this point. The other sports I'm with you. Those are all older athletes. Like I get that correlation that you're making, but in golf, can you name a golf fan that doesn't root for Tiger Woods? Every single, like it's such, it's, unlike any other sport or any other athlete where not only people that are rooting for him and against him, they show up every time he plays. And 92% of people watching the golf are only watching and rooting for Tiger Woods. Like 
I think we're not even appreciating his dominance on this sport as much as we should. Like 30 years from now, we're going to be like, remember Tiger Woods? Like he's the yeah. only golfer anyone rooted. For. Like I, it just kind of hit me. I wasn't, this isn't like a take that I planned on having. It just kind of hit me as I'm sitting here. How just Tiger Woods is by far the most, Le, he, LeBron James is B of the athletes of this era. Tiger Woods is above LeBron James in terms of 58 years from now. If we're looking back on athletes of all time, Tiger Woods is better than LeBron James. Um, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. It's a sport. He has been a sport carrying personality. When he won the Masters last year uh, to, to sort of revive his career, that was the best thing that happened to golf. And with all due respect to the Dustin Johnsons and the Jordan Spieths and everybody else who's uh, probably better than Tiger is right now, Tiger is still the biggest star in golf without question. What, um, show, what show is this? It's the Golf Channel is uh, where you've landed. You thought you were on the Greg Cody <laughs> podcast, but it's, uh, it's the Golf Channel. And we'll be back in a minute on David Parodies on our, on our podcast. No, seriously, um, you have stumbled upon or... At least six minutes ago, you stumbled upon. If you're still here, this is the Greg Cody Show. Yeah, it's the Greg Cody Show with Greg Cody and Chris Cody. And we got a big one today. Um, you What's know, new? We, we... What's new? Anything new with you? Nothing with me. What a, it's been just such a casual, ho-hum week for me. I can't think of it's... anything that took place in my life. Yeah, I mean, the only thing that's happened to me really in the last uh, few days of, of any note is that um, I found myself on the listening to the Dan Levitard show and then on the Dan Levitard show, basically angrier than I've ever been and screaming at everybody and later writing letters of apology and reading um, notes of apology from other people toward me. It was a big bizarre thing. And uh, I just want to revisit this quickly and I'm not going to go into details because you have to have heard it to know that it really happened. But um, Christopher, how would you even describe it? Because I don't want to say the wrong thing and get anybody in trouble. I mean, I, I think that anybody that was there witnessed it and that this was an emotional week for every single person involved and everybody involved with this show that was involved with it cares deeply for each other. Yes. You know, this was a tough week to navigate for all parties involved. And right. I think we all still love each other and we're all appreciative of each other. I know I'm appreciative of, every, of everybody and I think regardless of what happened on that post-game show, I never for a second doubted your intentions about anything. I know that I was number one above all else for you. And, and I'm appreciative of you and I'm appreciative of Dan and Mike and everybody. And I think things just got emotional there and everybody cares about each other and we're in good places now. And it was a tough week. It was a tough week, and, and uh, Dan and I hugged it out in a pair of uh, texts to each other, and we're all good now. And before we move on, I just want to say for the record, and, and it probably goes without saying, but I don't want it to go without saying, is that what Dan Levitard has done for, for my family uh, in, in the past week uh, has been extraordinary. It just doesn't happen, and um, it's one of the many reasons why he's been a great friend for a long time. And with that... Um, I want to move on because, Christopher, we have a great show today. Um, Mina Kimes, uh, rising ESPN megastar, is uh, one of my favorite people to have on the podcast. I think this is her second appearance, which means she's entered the, um, the realm of friend of the podcast. Uh, 
She's been great. Wow. Uh, should yes. I text her that? She's probably. You should. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Text her that because I know it's going to go right on her resume, but uh, we had, uh, we wanted to, to get Mina on. She's an NFL expert. She really is. I, I so respect her knowledge of the game and the league. And so we wanted to talk to her about Tua versus Burrow versus Herbert. And, um, you know, the Dolphins and, and Tua just beat uh, Herbert and the Chargers. And Christopher and I are going to dig deep a little bit into that game. But uh, Mina talks uh, more broadly about the future of the Dolphins, the state of the Dolphins, and what she sees in Tua so far. That's very interesting. And some of the other big news in Miami, and it is big news. It's big national news. Uh, the Miami Marlins hired as their new general manager, Kim Ang, who uh, has been an executive in baseball for a long time. And that would not be notable in the least, except that she is not only a woman, but she's an Asian American woman and ceilings have shattered. Uh, this is a monumental move by the Marlins to give this qualified woman uh, who's been doing what she does, does for 30 years to finally give her the opportunity that she's earned. And um, since we had Mina on to talk NFL, I had to ask Mina her thoughts on this because she, like Kim Ang, is an Asian American woman. And I, I wondered if, if it was emotional or special to her in any way. So we'll hear her talk about that as well. And of course, uh, to the chagrin of many, uh, we have another Mount Gregmore segment coming up. It's the tease another major consonant. So uh, we're going to get to all that stuff. Can we though? I know we got to do two right now. Like I'm so excited. And I know before the, before this game last week, I was very, you know, it's two of us Herbert, but this game isn't like, I don't want to read too much into it. I don't want to overreact to one game. If Herbert comes in here and slings it up, that doesn't mean the dolphins made a bad pick. Here's three words. I want to say right now, three words, elusiveness, composure, accuracy. I want you to get used to those words, Dolphins, because you're yes. going to be hearing a lot of those words over the next dozen years. The few times Tua, the, the pocket collapses on Tua. He withers him his way up. All of a sudden, he's scurrying for three yards and falls safely, where he turns a sack into a three-yard run. The few times that the pocket collapses and it's a bad snap from the center, and he has to pick it up, and he just knows his his – uh, default throw is just a lob to Devontae Parker, and he turns a terrible snap into a 17-yard completion. And then just the composure. So many times throughout the game, where like that play example, like where he just every even the announcers were talking about it. Uh, Bill Cowers talking about it on CBS during halftime. He just is calm in every instance. And I've been waiting because it was tough to read him after those first couple games, but seeing three games in. I am so excited as a Dolphins fan with Tua. Yeah, we're seeing uh, things from him that are better and better by the week. And I distinctly recall that play you're talking about where it was a low snap and he had to pick it up. He had a couple of chargers right on him and he had to quickly throw it without even looking really because he, he knew where his receiver he, would be. He just knew. He just knew. He's digested this playbook so much that he goes, in the worst case scenario, I can just throw it up there and it's either an incomplete pass or a reception. Like that's his pull parachute in an emergency throw. Like that's, he knows, oh, I'm so excited. Go ahead. For those who don't follow the Dolphins as closely as we do, this is one of the talks of the NFL right now. And if it isn't, it should be. Uh, after an 0-2 start, they won five in a row, six of the last seven, the only loss to then unbeaten Seattle. And, and they're doing right. It, it isn't just Tua. 
uh, although it's mostly Tua in his emergence. But the Dolphins are doing right now what good teams tend to do, which is they're getting a lot of contributions from just about everywhere. Today, uh, a, a running back who most fans had never heard of named Salvon Ahmed rushed for almost 100 yards out of nowhere. Um, the defense was good again, holding the Chargers to less than 300 yards and four out of 13 on on third downs. Xavier Howard had another interception. That blocked punt that hand delivered the first touchdown was another example of the defense and special teams making it easy on Tua, not having to have him do too much or unlike Herbert uh, and, and Burrow so far and through three games, it's not like they're asking Tua to throw 40 passes a game. They're making it easy on him and that's what they should be doing. And by the way, uh, Dolphin fans, if, if they're out there, the next three games are against Denver, the Jets, and Cincinnati, all three winnable. You're looking at a Dolphins team that very plausibly could be nine and three or eight and four after a dozen games. This is a real uh, season happening. This is a real team that is one of the most uh, impressive and improved in the league. Brian Flores is, is the coach of the year, I think, right now. And, um, and Tua is encouraging fans who've been looking for that uh, for 20 years. Let's get to Mina. Yeah, she's so great. And we did the interview on Zoom and uh, her, her famous dog, Lenny, makes an appearance on our lap. It was just sublime. It was beautiful. And let's get to it. Hey, Mina. Hey, guys. And I'm like he Lenny's is. here. Oh, man, this is awesome. This is like two guests for the price of one, really. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, uh, it's fantastic. Um, Mina, mm-hmm. why, don't we, why don't we get started? And, and first of all, uh, thanks a lot. For, for being here. I know it's not your first time on our little show here, but uh, it's been a while and um, thanks a lot. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited to come on. It's a fun time to be a Dolphins fan. So, you know what? It, it's a, it's a great time uh, to be a Dolphins fan. And, and I want to talk to you about Tua and the Dolphins and the job Brian Flores is doing and all that. I want, I want to jump in though. First, what, what is your relationship with Dolphin fans right now? Cause I know that, a few weeks ago, there was some Twitter stuff and people were, we were, I'm just going to speak. I'm, I want to come at Dolphin fans first. We were very sensitive. We're not used to being discussed on national platforms a lot. So we got a little antsy. It was like about the offensive line. I didn't think you were being very harsh, but like, how's your relationship with Dolphin fans right now? Um, yeah, I think it could use some healing, which is maybe <laughs> a little bit of an motive I have for coming on this podcast to try okay. to curry a little local flavor, which honestly, Chris and Greg, it was hurtful because I have been praising the Dolphins defense all year on NFL Live. Um, you know, maybe before it was cool. I, I don't know. I'm not. Who, who am I? <laughs> not my own. But uh, the opinion that they got mad at, they never like, you know, the, the praise goes unnoticed, but yep. mm-hmm. the opinion was we were asked specifically about the Dolphins choosing to start Tua when they did. And I and my colleague Dan Orlowski both said we didn't think it was a good time. And then I specifically said, I don't think the offensive line has been good, so I wouldn't start the, him against Aaron Donald right. in this game which somehow has turned into me doubting Tua, which is a real misrepresentation of my opinion. I love Tua. You can go back and read my pre-draft takes. Um, but I, I was critical of the offensive line. And, and, and then also they, they have improved from last season, but I still don't think 
they're, I mean, I, I don't want to, I came on to no. do one thing. I'm already leaning no. back into the debate. I, I think you were totally fair. Cause I remember at the time I was like, wow, there's this debate right now about the, the dolphins offense line. And I went and looked it up and like, you couldn't find any stat that the dolphins were high in. Like they're just at best an average offensive line. So I thought it was just, you weren't being harsh. And I thought that the Dolphins fans were very sensitive. So you're doing a great job. You just said you were, you're, you're, you're in on Tua, So you're good. Let me say that in addition to uh, starring on the Mina comes show featuring Lenny podcast, uh, Mina is absolutely the, uh, the NFL authority at, uh, at ESPN. So anything she says about the, the, the Dolphins either in the past or is about to say uh, just qualifies as absolute gospel. So uh, we're going to we're going to start with that. And uh, and, and Mina, um, there's other big news in Miami. I, I know you know that the Marlins have hired Kim Ang as um, as their general manager and you tweeted about that. And so I do want to ask you about that. But first, uh, let's do start with um, the Dolphins and Tua. Uh, first of all, the, the general uh, big picture on the Dolphins, uh, they seem to be a year ahead of where you thought they might be or where I thought they might be. Yeah, I think they're definitely a team on the rise. Um, I don't have the playoff odds in front of me, but they're either in wildcard contention or right at the border. Um, and I think there's a lot to be excited about, frankly. I, you know, I mentioned the defense. I really – there were signs last year of the team sort of kind of Skiing, what is the phrase? Skiing past their tips or a little bit, you know, the, the talent wasn't quite there, but the, this outkicking their coverage, which is an expression I hate, but I, that's, that's the phrase, but the coaches were really good. And, you know, I think this year you've seen sort of the, the talent on the actual personnel fulfill the promise we saw of the scheme and the coaching. And it's come from some surprising places like Byron Jones was the big signing, but I don't think he's been the most impressive player. He, he's a good, solid player, but I think, like, I Eric Rose drastically outplayed expectations. Um, of course, Davian Howard's a superstar and is, is paid accordingly, but I think you've seen a lot of guys kind of emerge. Emmanuel Agba, for example, like, right, came out yes. of nowhere and has been awesome this season. And, and it's been really fun. I mentioned when uh, Miami beat L.A., so, which, again – was you was weaponized against me, <laughs> um, even though it was a defensive and specialties victory, but I'm not going to dwell on that. But um, I, I said on our show, it really reminded me of the Super Bowl when the Patriots came out with this perfect game plan against the Rams. And of course, the connective fiber between those two teams is Brian Flores. So I, if I'm a Dolphins fan, I'm super excited about the organization just based on what the coach has achieved on that side of the football. Um, that, that's my own dog, uh... Riley uh, introducing himself in the background, if you can hear it, because a, a couple walking a baby had the audacity to uh, saunter past my house just now. Um, Mina, I was going to bring up Brian Flores because I've, I've sort of, you know, floated in print the idea that um, this guy is, is gaining coach of the year points by the week. Um, how do you see the job he's doing? Does it surprise you at all? Because Belichick protégés don't have a great track record for nope. being the next Belichick. Um, talk about Brian Flores and, and what you think of him. You're right, and about the Belichick protégés, and that's not just um, about football. I think so, there's an article today, actually, it's Saturday, um, 
in Bleacher Report by Kalen Collar about Matt Patricia and how all of his players hated him or hated him in 2018. <laughs> I think it, there's some really amazing anecdotes in there. Um, I, she says he's gotten a little bit better, but she alludes to the fact that, you know, Bill O'Brien had some issues in Houston, whereas Flores seems to have navigated the culture side of this um, with ease. And I absolutely think he's a coach of the year candidate. I have him and Mike Tomlin kind of leading the way right now. There's a lot of season left, but I think he also is an interesting example or model for what teams should be looking for and thinking about when they're hiring coaches, you know, the move or the trend now is to hire an offensive mastermind and the Dolphins went away from that in hiring Flores, who's not only a defensive coach, um, but is a, like a leader, a CEO type, I think was regarded as such. And it's paid off. Now, I also think he's made some bold hiring decisions um, on the offensive side of the ball. And he's, like, I was surprised when he fired or when they let Chad O'Shea from the Pats go last year and replaced him with Chan Gailey. And Chan Gailey is a guy I that was have a weird been hire. a lot this season. <laughs> He's been awesome. Right? I know, but it was just—it was a weird hire, though. But like, you're yeah. right; it's it's worked out. I've had—I did not think. I mean, we're talking about a guy who's been away from the NFL. You know, we were. We, there, it made some sense because Ryan Fitzpatrick was the quarterback. Obviously, they have a history together. But it's been really fun watching the Dolphins' offense, and I was talking about the defense earlier, and seeing some of the innovative stuff they're doing on that side of the football. Um, he's done a really, really solid job, and again, ultimately, that's a credit to Flores. The way we're recording this interview with you is kind of interesting because we're recording it Saturday. It's going to come out Monday. And so okay. we're actually going to do an intro to it on Sunday after the Dolphins game. So we're going to get to know the Tua Herbert result before yes. we talk. You no. don't. Okay. So I want you to break down this game as if it's like coming out Monday before it's happened. So go ahead. Talk about this game. That's right. Well, that, that's good because that means I got – thank you for the information, first of all, so that I can hedge – appropriately um i really like it's such a crazy draft right because i think both burrow herbert and tua have both Tua. it's obviously a smaller sample size but based on the last game in which i picked the dolphins to win dolphins fans um <laughs> they look awesome and they also look very different like tua is, is more like burrow frankly than herbert herbert is kind of the gunslinger with the big arm super toolsy coming out of college. The question was, how does he respond to pressure uh, and sort of the mental side of things? And he's been surprisingly great Tua, on the other hand, it, it similarly to Burrow is more of a precision passer. He excels in the short intermediate area of the field. He's such a smart quarterback. His ball placement is impeccable. Um, I don't know how those things will play out on Sunday, but <laughs> I hope, I hope that people don't overreact in either direction, frankly, because even before Tua had taken a snap, there were some questions. Whoa, did the Dolphins draft the wrong guy? Which, I, frankly, I found absolutely ridiculous because we hadn't seen him play. Um, and, and regardless of what happens tomorrow, slash, it'll be in the past. This is like um, this is awesome. what's the movie <laughs> Looper with multiple timelines. Regardless of what happens, we should not overreact to a single game. You know, Tua and Herbert 1.0 on Sunday and – with those two in Burrow, as you've alluded to, those guys are joined at the hip now forever. They're going to be linked. They're going to be compared for, for the entirety of their careers. Um, I'm going to ask you to do the impossible, which is to uh, talk as if we're speaking 10 years from now and tell me 
Um, who is the better quarterback? Who turned out best? Who lifted his team highest? Which of those three would you draft, General Manager Mina Kimes, today? Today, I would probably lean – it's so close for me. I would probably – lean Herbert based on the physical upside, but that's not, and to his injury history. Remember, right? this is a Miami podcast. This is a Miami I know, and I, I, I think just based on those factors, though. Now, yeah. I don't think that means he's going to have a better career. He's the only, of the three, yes, you can look at stats like, you know, air yards and pressure, responding to blitz. But one stat that often goes ignored by the so-called experts is, do you play on a cursed team? And he was drafted by a cursed team. Okay. <laughs> he was. Oh, I, yeah. there, it's undeniable. Like, Tua, zero curses. Burrow, zero curses. Herbert, one curse. <laughs> and I think yes. that's something that can't be ignored here. <laughs> that, that's fair. Um, you know, uh, what Chan Gailey is doing, and, and you're right, they, they exhumed him. Um, it, it's not quite as bad as um, Tony La Russa being all of a sudden the manager again, but it, 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 it's of a similar cloth. And the amazing thing about the Dolphins averaging almost 30 points a game is they don't have much of a running game. A low pick, Miles Gaskin, was their leading rusher until he, he got injured. So they don't have a great offensive line. They don't have a great running game. Uh, and, and yet, how are they generating all these points? You know, it's, it's weird to me. Like, what are they doing well, so right I do like the weapons. And that part of the reason I'm a little bit anxious is not having Preston Williams, who I really liked last season too. Um, and I think it's, it was a really underrated player last year. And, and of course, Devontae Parker is great. Uh, Mike Jasicki's a good tight end. Um, they, they have that other tight end who, too, I think is pretty decent. Smythe, Sturm, Smythe, yeah. some like yeah. fake sounding name. Um, so I tend to think those are more important than your backs or – the line that you and not I criticized. Um, but part of the reason I, I, um, I don't want to say, crit one of the stats that people used to defend the protection was the low sack rate. And I had tried to gently explain that that's not usually a good, a complete representation of quarterback play because Ryan Fitzpatrick was getting the ball out so quickly. And he was playing, frankly, some of the best football of his career before he was benched. That I, and which is not to say it was the right, wrong decision to bench him. I'm just explaining why the, Dolph, the offense was producing at a reasonably high level. Tua also has a capacity we saw in college to get the ball out quickly. Um, and so I think that skill set sort of mitigates some of the occasional issues with protection. Um, and and I, like I said, I think the play calling has been really good. Um, I, I have been... I, I thought Chan Gailey was a good fit with Tua because, um, you know, like West Coast spread it out. The, Tua's the RPO guy. Chan Gailey, like, brought RPOs to the NFL. That's how long he's been in the league. Right. So it made a lot of sense. But he's also added new twists. Like, I can't tell you how many times I'm, a week I'll, I'll be watching Dolphins tape and I'll see something that Chan, like, that the, another, like the Chiefs did last week. He's doing a lot of inventive stuff, and it's really helping that offense. How awesome is it to be able to drop in, like, watching tape and stuff into a conversation? Like, that just, it, it makes it sound, like, not that, I know you are doing it, but just even if you're not doing it, keep saying it. Because when you say it, I'm just like, I picture you in, like, I picture you having a room in your house that's, like, where you put in an old-fashioned VHS tape, and you're, like, literally watching the All-22, and 
like Gruden style? First of all, the ver- correct verb is grinding tape. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yes, the yes. difference between watching tape and grinding tape. Um, you're not a, you're not like a real analyst until you're grinding it. Oh man. <laughs> and but the second thing is it is it is a um, anyone can buy game pads. It's like damn it. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Um, yeah. Mina, I do want to um, uh, move on a little bit and, and ask you quickly about uh, the Marlins hiring Kim Meng as general manager because to me it's monumental. It's ceiling shattering. It's it's really a major story. And you immediately tweeted out how cool it was and that you've been following her career for a long time. We're just getting barely starting to get to know her down here. What can you tell us about Kim Eng and, and the hire the Marlins have just made? So I, I've never met Kim, but a few years ago, I did a story about um, women in baseball and her name just kept coming up. Like every person I talked to was like, well, and then there's Kim Eng. She should have been this job, should have gotten this job. And actually in 2008, the Mariners, the team I root for, um, interviewed her for the job of GM. And they went with Jack Z. I don't know if you guys remember, I, I, I'm saying Jack Z because I, I've always struggled to say his last name. That didn't work out so well. <laughs> so I've always been um, a believer in, in Kim just based on that decision alone. But I'm sure you guys have read um, her resume. You're familiar with her coming up through, you know, the Yankees. And she's been interviewing for these jobs for years. And her the recommendations you read from people who are smarter about baseball rec- um, sort of legitimacy, I suppose, than I am are impeccable. But I also knew some folks who worked with her at MLB when she switched over and kept telling me about how smart she was and how she was someone to keep an eye on. So it was, it was super exciting and not just as a woman, but also as an Asian American, right? She's paving the way yes. in that regard as well. Um, it's just, it's an extremely cool thing. Uh, it is also kind of crazy in this, that it, took this long in the yeah. same way that, you know, when we were talking about like having a female vice president. It's like, right. wow, <laughs> that's pretty wild. That it took this it, long. It's, um, but yeah, I'm bandwagoning the Marlins now. You're official. Yes. Okay. So Dolphins fans are mad at me. Marlins fans like to curry a little favor with you. I'm, they're officially my NL team. Yes. Yes. I feel, indeed, like a, uh, gonna, I feel like that's going to be a popular thing. So Marlins are, come on, let's go. Join us. It, it's cool to me because um, Kim Eng seems like she's so ready for this. You know, like this is maybe you can call it a daring hire, but it doesn't feel that way to me because there's not a shred of, of tokenism involved here. It, it's not the idea that Derek Jeter is trying to get attention. This is a woman who's worked her way up for 30 years and, and been an assistant general manager with two of the biggest clubs in baseball, the Dodgers and Yankees, and whether or not she ultimately succeeds at this job, there's every reason to think that she's ready to. You know, that's what's sort of cool about this. Uh, And, you know, Mina, you uh, alluded to, you and she are both uh, born and raised American, but of Asian American descent. And so when you heard this news, um, what did you feel emotionally, you know, beyond just what you thought as a journalist? What did what did it make you feel? Um, you know, I kind of feel this, a, a similar way anytime any either woman or Asian American uh, breaks a barrier, I guess, shatters a ceiling, which is, wow, it's, now it's going to be a lot easier for the next person. And um, 
I hope that's true. I, that, that's my first reaction, but then I kind of question whether it is actually true. I think sometimes right. we see a lot of women and actually isn't easier at all and things don't change as much. Um, but, I, you know, all my group texts with my friends, some with women, some with Asians kind of light up and everyone's, it, it feels kind of like, all right, I, 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 how do I explain it? It's like if you root for Kane's football and you see DJ Dallas starting in a Seahawks game, you feel right. proud. Like I watched this, this person come up. There's this sense of, of pride um, and excitement about it. And I, now I got to learn some Marlins catchphrases. I know because <laughs> Dolphins, you got fins up. What is yeah. the Marlins? Well, like back in the day, yeah. we had everyone's doing the fish and you'd put your fin up and then it'd be like a dance. Everyone's right. doing the fish. Yeah, 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 yeah. Come on, Mina, let's go do it. Oh, she's this doing it right now. Format, so I'm yes. not sure. No, she's doing it right now, everyone. Oh, she's good at it. Yep, this is awesome. <laughs> but it's, this it's is also, also it's also like when I get to, when I see Andy Dalton as the quarterback, I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, <Big>. yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, I I totally agree. Um, Michael Jr. and I were texting about Tyler Lockett, um, who's the uh, the Seahawks receiver because he's prematurely balding at 25 and <laughs> yeah. Gojo was just like one I, of yes. one of us yeah. right. uh, like Greg Cody when, when Greg Cody sees a 78 year old become the president he's like you know like, <laughs> well, you know it's weird because I'm you know I'm the demographic I'm the only demographic that doesn't get to feel parochial pride about any sort of hire like I represent the old white guy so when Tony La Russa is hired <laughs> There's nothing I relate to. There's no shred of, of me going, all right, we're finally broken through. They're hiring old white guys. I want to cha challenge that. You don't feel like a little stoked when you see people of your generation. Yeah. Like, Still getting hired. Wilding out, not getting elected president, but like protesting or like doing things that are perhaps unexpected. <laughs> like my mom, I know, feels pride for Koreans, and uh, obviously, but she also like will send me stuff like when she sees like an older woman at a protest or <laughs> oh yeah, totally. You know yeah. what I mean? Like she feels cool. Like that feels cool for her. No, you're right. You're right. Uh, I, I have to admit that's that's something I hadn't uh, hadn't really considered, but. Um, you know, in, in this case, it just seems like the, the Marlins have, it just feels like they've done something dynamic and progressive and, and um, it, it's exciting down here between Tua, uh, Mina, you got to think of what Miami is, it, the metamorphosis down here. Uh, the Marlins just made the playoffs for the first time in 17 years. Mattingly's the manager of the year. Now they've broken ground and shattered ceilings with this GM hire. The Dolphins are, as we've discussed, on the rise. The Heat. The heat just reached the NBA finals. I mean, it's, it's a pretty neat time. We're emotional uh, right now. This is crazy. You as a quarterback? What? I know. I know, right? That, that's the best part because that's sort of built to last. Although my one concern about Tua is that, man, he looks like a, a thermometer out there. He's so thin. And with his injury history, I, I do wonder about the durability. You know, dare, dare I even bring that up? But that is my only concern about Tua because otherwise I think he's great. It's cool to watch him take off, like that one play against mm -hmm. God. It, by the way, if he suffers some sort of injury, you are killing this podcast, right? Like we all agree. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. So it was very cool against Arizona, the one play where um, the Cardinals had, they blitzed him and he dodged the rusher and then split the two defenders. Mm -hmm. I, I screamed watching that. Yeah. It was so, like, I know he's a pinpoint passer, but like 
that's the question mark with the injury. Yeah. Does he have that athleticism? And it was really like he turned on the Jets a little. Also, that one play in in that against the Chargers too. Remember that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. that Woo! play too. That, that play against yeah. the Chargers. <laughs> I mean, but all right. So we gotta get. We're gonna let you get out of here. But I want to close on this. The other day or a couple weeks ago, Dan, um, like reveal, like you were on some sort of hot streak privately with mess, like with picks, oh, God. and 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 then Dan reveals it, and all of a sudden that pick loses, and now people are bombarding you for picks. I've even been looking up your picks now on NFL experts on ESPN.com. <laughs> I got I got your Colts pick the other night. You were like one of the only ones. And I picked the Colts because of that. So thank you for that. So I don't, I'm obviously not looking for your secret sauce here, but like when you're picking games, what are like the stats you're looking for, like to pick winners, like just a couple of little hints for the people. Sure. Yeah. So um, you can check out my public picks at our experts page. I think Bowen and I are now tied Matt Bowen on the panel. Um, But last week I did go 12 and two. Now I really, for me, it always comes down to matchups. So I'm looking at, okay, how, and one thing that I really pay a lot of attention to is pressure rate, blitzing. How does this quarterback respond to pressure? Uh, are you writing this down, Chris? Or oh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm really taking this seriously. Um, yeah, I, I, something I care a lot about is quarterbacks and pressure rate and what sort of front seven they're playing. Because um, I find, I, te- I, I that in the modern NFL, I find that that, tends to have an outsized impact on the outcomes of games. Um, so like, for example, with this Colts game, I felt like the Titans have a very um, bad, bad pass rush. So I thought Rivers wouldn't be in too much trouble. Uh, and he wasn't. Uh, now, it's hard these days with all the COVID stuff as well, though, because you never know who's going to play. Like in Steelers, we just found out Ben's yeah. playing, you know, who's, and that's so you have to really pay close attention to the news. Mina, we're going to let you go, and I want to really thank you. And I thank Lenny as well, who's made a cameo and appeared in, in, uh, in Zoom a couple of times during our, our chat here. So thank you both. And uh, check out Mina's podcast, of course, and all her work uh, for ESPN. Terrific stuff. Mina, anytime uh, the, the ratings get too high on your podcast and you want to lower them by having me on as a guest, I'm there for you anytime you want. Hey, if the Dolphins make it to the Super Bowl, that's a promise. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. I may but not be around I, for that. <laughs> you do know like... how old. <laughs> I got a better shot now with Tua than I, than I had before. So we'll take you up on that. Thanks, Mina. Really appreciate it. Watch Tua shred Herbert on Sunday. And then on Sunday, I'm like, I take Justin Herbert. <laughs> 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 it said Burrow. Burrow was the safe answer. Do you want to give another one right now and I'll just put it in that answer? If like, <laughs> All right, see you, Mina. All right, bye, guys. And now it's time for the latest Mount Greg Moore name game. It's the T's. It's the T's. We arrive at another major consonant. With each letter, we bring you the top five American first names of that letter over the past century based on U.S. government records. Then, the Mount Gregmore of the number one name. So, number five, Teresa. Number four, Terry. Number three, Tyler. Number two, Timothy. And numero uno, Thomas. Now, uh, no, here we Tommies, go. no Tommies or Toms here. So wait, you're Sorry, telling Nick. me that Tom Brady can't be on the Mount yes. Gregmore, even right. though his name, his birth name is Thomas. Right. Can I ask you something? 
When was the last time on a football telecast you heard an announcer refer to him as Thomas Brady on the touchdown throw? So because his name is Tom. Right. And that He's not name, a Thomas. But Tom would never appear on this name chart. It would, actually. No. Yes. No, it yeah. Did. No, it totally would. Every Tom is Thomas. Just like last week, uh, number five was Steven with a PH. Number one was Steven no, with that a wasn't B. Steve. I mean, but that happens. wasn't Steve. But that wasn't Steve. You're wrong here. Anyways, move on. Okay. It's the month Greg Moore, not the month Chris Moore. So, uh, no Toms or Tommies here. Sorry, Hanks, Cruz, Brady, Petty. No last name Thomas either. First, our honorable mention. He was the sexy, mustachioed, Hawaii-based private investigator who reigned on TV in the 1980s. He was Thomas Magnum, a.k.a. Tom Selleck's Magnum P.I. Wait, Tom Selleck? Tom Selleck's Magnum P.I. The honorable mention is won by Thomas Magnum, which was Magnum P.I.'s real name on the show. It okay. better be. That was, you almost got caught your no, very it is. first one by Tom oh, Selleck, though. You let a Tom in. I just want you to, I hope you know. All that. right, okay. And now number five. He is the American former professional boxer who was the first man ever to win a world title in five different weight classes. Fighter of the Year in 1980 and 84. International Boxing Hall of Famer, of course, Thomas the Hitman Hearns. Number four. Okay. He was an Italian philosopher and theologian and anointed a saint by the Catholic Church, which to this day considers his teachings paramount for anyone studying for the priesthood. He was a man long before he became the namesake of various schools, St. Thomas Aquinas. Number three, would there have been a United States of America without him? He was an English-born American political activist and revolutionary who in 1776 wrote Common Sense, the pamphlet that became the Bible that influenced the start of the American Revolution, inspiring patriots to declare independence from Great Britain. Thomas Paine. Number two. This is going well. Thank you. This was a man who certainly knew of Thomas Paine. He was an American statesman, diplomat, lawyer, architect, philosopher, and founding father, who was the third president of the United States. He also owned more than 600 slaves in his lifetime, but we won't get into that. Thomas Jefferson. Is that is that the guy from Hamilton? That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, I love it. That really did made me have a, a much deeper appreciation for Thomas Jefferson. There you go. And number one, this is a controversy because I think a lot of people thought Jefferson would be number one. Number one, he was an American businessman renowned as perhaps the greatest U.S. inventor in history in fields such as electric power generation, mass communications, sound recording, and motion pictures. His inventions included the phonograph, the motion picture camera, the early versions of the electric light bulb. He helped touch off the industrial revolution and changed the American way of life, did Thomas Edison. Yeah, you have to. Yeah, I mean, you think? Like, I'm just like, I know Thomas Jefferson did a lot, but Edison, like those inventions, if you yeah. take away both of those people, Edison is someone we need around more. Yeah, I think you got that right. And by the way, uh, those of you fondle, following chronologically fondling. can figure out that after the T's come what? The U's. And this is going to be a tough one because there's no U names in the top 100, which means Chris Cody gets to pick either a individual U name or give me 
the field and allow me to come up with any name I wish starting with you. So you'll I'm, find out next week what he I'm, decides. I'm just glad this is almost over. <laughs> We're getting we not are just getting not end. just this episode, but this bit for the love of God. I know you've hated Mount Gregmore from the start. Hey, let's put a bow on this. Really appreciate uh, Mina Kimes again. And uh, we had some deep dives into Tua and, and uh, Kim Eng, the new uh, Marlins general manager. And, and thank you all podcast family so much. Uh, I, I just want to say self-servingly for just a second that last week's episode we did was by far the most downloaded and most listened to uh, we've ever done. And the little Greg Cody show, the little podcast that could found itself as high as number three in the national charts. You know what that means? It means that for a fleeting, shining moment, I was higher on the charts than, than Tony Kornheiser and Dan Patrick and all these major players who I look up to. So You're welcome. Yeah, well, <laughs> why is that? It, it, it was uh, because of Christopher largely, but it's mostly because of you, podcast family. So, And even though less than half of you are back because my dad got way too political, we hope you come back every week and subscribe, rate, and review. Yes. We have uh, we've sworn off politics. In fact, until Christopher ham-handedly just mentioned politics, we hadn't even uttered the word uh, in, in this new podcast. So last, um, week you, last week, you were real eager to talk politics. I was too eager. And unfortunately, uh, my, my show producer, who has all editing powers, did not decide until after the fact that maybe talking politics was not such a great idea. So we all learn our lessons. Right? Am I right, kid? Okay, so you're blaming me for how political you made it. All right. Of course. <laughs> Why wouldn't I? You're the producer. I believe, anyway. at one, I believe at one point you're like, I vote blank. <laughs> Look, my podcast family knows that, and I said this from the very first episode, I'm transparent. Uh, I, I honor my podcast family by being very honest with them. In, in good times. All right, we know you're honest. Let's end the episode for the love all of right, God. All right, we're going to end the episode. Pod family, uh, see you all next week. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.